We have all been there. We are excited about some sort of purchase. It could be a car, it could be a house, it could be a motorcycle, it could be just a really fancy doodad. But you know, in the RV industry, we see it all the time. You're excited about that perfect RV, the one that's gonna get you those places, and then you gotta talk numbers with someone. And, and. Not just any numbers. The finance numbers. numbers. Finance numbers. Mm. My eyes glaze over. My, my my world closes in. My ears get all stuffy. Um, it it's a problem because numbers and finance and banking is all mystifying to me. Well, let's talk about the unfun part of buying fun things. But let's make it fun. Okay, that is let's the fun part. To me, it's the fun part. There yes. it is. <laughs> we have we have a nerd with us where it nerd. is the fun part. We probably have a couple of nerds with me today. Okay. I love them dearly, by the way. But uh, <laughs> let's see if we can make sense of this. All right. Well, welcome to the RV Small Talk Podcast, where we talk about lightweight trailers, truck campers, and the people, places, and adventures that go right along with them. We're your hosts from Princess Craft RV. I am Clint. I'm PJ. And I'm Terry. Which is not Lindsay. No. Uh, but you're going <laughs> to fill in, and you're going to do great. I think we've got you a little caffeinated yep. at a small level, so. So this should be good. Everybody, we do have a special guest today filling in for Lindsay, and she is our um, our ringer when it comes to banking and finance information. This is Terry, but there's a history here. Uh, who's yeah. going to bring this history up? Do, should we just start there? Yeah, let's start with the history while I drink my non-branded, nondescript coffee. <laughs> you're going to have to see it on the video. If you're listening on podcast, go to the video. nothing about branding here right (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) well i think what you're trying to say is that terry and i are in my estimation besties best friends oh this isn't a strictly professional yeah and so you know, we also, if you're listening to recent podcast, podcast those two, yeah. then we <laughs> are always saying, hey, Caitlin, because she is kind of our researcher in Let me the background. Let try it real quick. Hey, Caitlin. Hey, Caitlin. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so through a strange twist of probably manipulated events, uh, we are thrilled to have Terry as gosh, one of my favorite people in the world and her daughter, Caitlin, helping us in marketing. So I don't know when they say we're one big happy family, Clint. I mean, I think that's really true. You Mm. and I are not related. Mm. Yeah. But mm, uh, I mean, go far I, enough back. I, I mean, after 12 or 15 years, mm-hmm. nobody counts. Right. Right. Then you're pretty much pretty much in. Is it kind of oh. like being married where you start to look alike and act alike, even if. Oh, yeah. We're totally related. just two of a kind. Because look at us. We look alike. We do look it's alike. True. Everyone always thinks That's we're sisters. Always yes, true. but we have Every always photo. looked alike. Yeah. It's the craziest thing. But yeah. how? How did you two meet? Well, she was my she was never my bank rep. You were never my bank rep. Well, For, not technically. No. But I was. But you were the, were you like the, on, on the game shows, you're like, you have a lifeline. Would you like to phone a friend I for the real information? Is that yeah, kind of how it went? That's how yeah. I feel about myself. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, in our industry, we have reps for each of the different banks we work for, mm-hmm. with, with, and that help fund our customers. Mm-hmm. And Terry was with one of those banks. And I've been in banking for 
almost 40 years. So way before internet, way before bureau scores, Mm. you know, back when we would just look at the person, look at the person, ask you, what what did you think about them? Well, they seem pretty legit. Yeah. Coming till now when it's almost all automated and that's what's made it really confusing to customers. And you're right. They're buying an RV. It's fun. This is, I love it. It's fun. And now all of a sudden you go into finance and you're scared because they're asking you your social and your, you know, how long you worked here. And well, back in 2020, we see this happen and you don't know. Right. So it's just a big, uncomfortable world for people. Yeah. So you're telling me when you started in banking, there was no credit scores? No credit scores. There was not even credit bureaus that you could pull. You would call the credit bureau. Mm-hmm. So you would call them and say, you know, PJ Burger's here. Here's her social. They would tell you what was on their bureau and you would just write it down. You'd really? It down. Very secure. I like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, nothing like uh, protecting all of your information, right? I don't think we'd even yeah. thought of that back then. And as a bank, you I would- know I wasn't thinking about it. I was too. <laughs> well, I know, <laughs> I know my credit card, my credit card statements, probably them too, but my bank statements came with, you know, the full account number on them. Uh-huh. Everything had full account numbers on them. Wow. You know, everything you did had your social on it. Credit card fraud was, it was so right easy back there. then. It was printed on everything. Yeah. It was just part of who you were. Yeah. It's crazy. So, so are you saying, would you say people, the, the experience of dealing with financing felt better than it feels now because it was more personal is more relational? I feel because I am a person that needs to see you face to face. Mm -hmm. I need to watch your eyes as I'm talking to you. Oh, if I get skittery with my eyes, (laughs) keep looking up and to the left. (laughs) And it, and it was much more relational, Mm -hmm. but you also knew, okay, you know what? I know your dad. So if you don't make your payment, I'm going to call your dad. And you know, it was more of that. Mm -hmm. There was more of a family relationship. A little bit more small town kind of. I remember when you walked into the bank, mm-hmm. you knew your loan officer. Mm-hmm. He'd been there for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And you sat down and said, hey, you know, I kind of want to buy a car. Um, and he'd say, oh, OK, well, what are you thinking about? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thinking I'm going to go buy this, you mm-hmm. know, Ford Pinto. And he says, OK, hopefully he'd say bad choice, but right, he right. might just say, OK, well, <laughs> let me know. It's Have him life. give me a call. And it was that easy. Didn't, it was didn't the Ford Pinto have like a really gas tank easy. issue or like oh, turn yeah. into a fireball? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. didn't my family drive one for like <laughs> oh 40 gosh. years? I'm yeah, sorry, off yeah. topic. Yeah, we, it's definitely a history with my family. A lot of great stories, actually. <laughs> but at any rate. You know, it was so easy and it was relationship building, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But the other thing about how things have changed is we didn't buy as much stuff right. and the world didn't go as fast. We did not expect answers in an hour. Yes. Right. We, I mean, nothing happened in an hour, Yeah. right? And you think of back then as a bank, even a national bank, you could maybe look at 20 or 30 deals in a day because you're having to do it manually. Now 
it's all computerized, so you can look at 200 in a day. Right. So you had to keep up with that pace because if you're not the first person bank that answers, they're going to another bank. Right. So it became just the competitive nature of I've right. got to be the first person that answers. <clears throat> you don't necessarily even have to be the best rate or the best terms, but you have to be the first Who one. Who gets them the keys the fastest? Yeah. Is yeah. it still like that? Yeah. Maybe, maybe more like so. That. But, it, but then it makes it a little trickier because as a customer, now you just, we talk about FICO score, FICO score, FICO. make sure you're a 720, make sure. And that's not necessarily all of the picture because we need to also know how long have you lived at your house? Mm -hmm. How long have you had this job? You know, what did you do before? You know, there's a lot more that figures into it, but all you see on commercials all the time, all you see on on different commercials with RV and auto is, you know, what's your FICO score? You know, right. the small print, the, yeah. the stuff they say really fast. Yeah. So yeah. your FICO score is very important, but so are, you know, other areas. You know, how much money are you going to put down? Mm -hmm. You know, what is your overall debt? What is this payment going to do to your debt? This sounds I'm, I'm really anxious just hearing this. So, <laughs> oh, see, I'm getting so happy. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> this is my area. So, so you've, you've been around the RV industry enough to kind of get a sense of the RV dealership, the finance officer representative side, but also you you got a sense of the customer. What is we we see the excitement kind of get like a wet blanket thrown on it once it moves mm -hmm. to that part. What what what's the problem there? What are people experiencing? It's and you know what I have it. I have it when I am in financing something else too. Mm -hmm. you're, you're just not used to it. So you mm -hmm. don't know what questions are going to come up. You don't really know how to answer the question. And, and why do you need to know that? Yes. Why is that even coming up? It's not your business. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know? Is this kind of like, you know, when you get pulled over when you're mm -hmm. driving somewhere and you're like, okay, well, I wasn't speeding and my driver's license is, yes. is current. Everything's good. I'm insured and I'm nervous as hell because yes. I don't know. What are they going to ask me? Is there something I don't know? Oh, wait, do I have a knife under my seat from when I peeled that grapefruit? Yeah. I don't know. What what did I do wrong? Do I mean, you? you just get so nervous. Yes. And you, you, you no yeah. reason, really. And they come up and say, ma'am, I wanted to let you know your taillight yeah. is out. And yeah. you're like... Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And you're still like, all right, well, just, just let me leave. Because you're nervous <laughs> about things that maybe you're not thinking about or you don't know about or a question you don't expect. Yeah. I mean, is it an unfounded fear when, or anxiety is probably a better word, when you actually get to that situation where you're like, okay, I have to fill out a credit app? Oof. Well, mm -hmm. I think there's some there's some other things that kind of go through me, maybe, maybe more, but I'm kind of weird. So it's a little adversarial, you know? Mm -hmm. You've already discussed Ooh, price and all yeah. that, but it feels a little adversarial yeah. because there's this, 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 because you're already gonna finance and, and it feels like there's some gamemanship going on. Mm -hmm. It feels a little bit like smoke and mirrors and they're trying to get a little bit more out of you because it sells and all that. And and I have to keep in mind that, yeah, I'm trading them my commodity of money, maybe over time, 
four keys to the thing that I actually want. But it does. But in that small office or whatever, mm-hmm. I lose sight of that. It just feels like a lot of money and numbers and a numbers. Lot of pressure. Moving, yeah. Numbers moving quickly. And I don't want to appear stupid, but I don't do this every day like the finance person. And you're under the microscope. Absolutely. Ah. And they're asking questions, questions that culturally we're not right. very comfortable answering. Right. So tell me about your income. Tell me about your other assets and all other cultures. Ah. That's, a, that's the opening question. But in the Western culture, not so much. And it's also OK, because you're already a little bit uneasy to mm-hmm. say, not questioning why you're asking me, but, but why is that? Why does why is that why relevant? Does, yeah, why do you need to know that? You can yeah. ask that. You can for sure say that's a weird question. I've never even thought of it. Are there some weird questions? There's some weird questions. Ooh, what are like the weird what? questions? There could be, you know, just asking you, you know, we saw on your credit report. Now we just assume that you as a customer look at your credit report all the time. We're looking at it now and saying, back in nineteen, you know, in two thousand twelve, you did this. Do you and you're like, I don't. I don't even remember that. Remember, or, yeah. So it's a lot of that, and it's perfectly fine to say I don't remember mm-hmm. or I don't know to answer to, to the questions. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just. It doesn't feel fine to say that though. It feels it, it feels irresponsible. <laughs> like I feel like across the table, I feel like they're like catching me on on all my lack of paying attention and staying on top of things. Like I should yeah. walk in with. <laughs> well, and the hard part too about RV financing, auto financing, you get everyone. Everyone mm-hmm. needs a car. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we know you're going to drive it every single day. We right. know you're going to park it at your house. It's not a luxury item so much most of the yeah. time. But an RV is different because you're going to be going all around the country. We don't know right. where you're going to be. You know, we don't know how to get in touch with you. You're not going to, or you might store it for six months. So there's a lot of questions just to make sure that you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. But usually you, the bank doesn't ask those questions. Usually it just gets turned in on a piece of paper for the customer, right? Am I missing something? I think they're asking a lot of questions. I think that they are. The I, bank is. Yeah, I think the bank is. And Does maybe the, the bank call the customer? No, the bank because the way indirect finance working works, you're my customer. You're the dealer. You're my customer. You're lending me your retail customer. So that customer that you okay. have is... Yes, our customer eventually, but even when they're on the books with us, we still consider them to be your customer that you're lending to us. So when I'm looking to see, is my program good? How, you know, how are things going? I'm going to you as the dealer. And then you go to the customer at that point. So the the business manager who's doing the paperwork and the loan paperwork with you might ask you these questions. Right. That that might be uncomfortable. Right. You know, a lot of times we have to ask the customer, do you have a pay stub for that? Do you have a pay stub from two years ago? Mm-hmm. Can you verify this? Do you have a utility bill? Um, all these odd things. I, I think that makes a customer uncomfortable, too. And that's even uncomfortable for the bank to ask when we're having to ask for more and more documentation. But you just have to realize that an RV customer on the, on pretty much on the whole is a higher credit score. I mean, it's a customer that that can afford a car, a house, and now a specialty item, an RV. So we're just trying to make sure that there's enough money, not just to support the RV, but where are you going to store it? You know, you're going to have to have the storage. So, mm-hmm. so we want to make sure that there's a lot of income 
to cover it. And there's also a lot of times that people don't just get the same income, you know, same paycheck every month. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, you have different, you have bonuses, you have overtime, you have commissions. So the mm -hmm. bank has to figure out, is this standard? You get it every mm -hmm. year. This is, you know, overtime is just, you're always going to have the overtime because what happens if next month overtime's cut? Well, now that two or three or $400 you were going to pay on your RV is gone because you were using your overtime money for that. Mm -hmm. So we just have to make sure. And, and honestly, the banks get looked at by many different federal agencies to make sure that we are lending to the right people, that we're not overburdening people like you saw back in the eighties. We don't ever want to get in that position again. So it's a lot more information than you need when you're buying an auto. Mm -hmm. But it's just so that we can make sure that there's income for it that you even realize. Yeah, buying an RV is different than buying a car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so many people walk in and they say, oh man, yeah, I just bought a truck. I just walked in and I had a loan. I was out of there in three hours. It was awesome. Yeah. And my and interest so, rate was And that's nine. experience people point want. Nine, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. so now, I, so I know I can buy an RV because I just bought a right. car. What's the difference in buying an RV and buying a car from the bank's point of view? That's a good question. And good job. And I know I got a good question. <laughs> and it's very it's hard for a customer because you just bought a $80,000 truck. Right. Your interest rate was 0.9. Now you're just looking at a $60,000 trailer. What's well, not that big a deal? I just got a $90,000. Okay, as a bank, we're saying, wait a minute. <laughs> you just financed 90 right. grand. Now you're going to have an RV payment on top of that. And as a bank, we look at the car like I said, you're you're going back and forth to work every single day. This RV, you could be parking it in Montana, you could be parking mm -hmm. it in Alaska, you could be parking it at a storage facility and if or you just Cracker Barrel. Or Cracker Barrel. <laughs> and you could be living in it. You could yeah, be living in which, it. Which is a whole nother a whole question. Nother, okay, save that one. We'll That's yeah, another I'll save good that one. one. <laughs> we'll get that one. So it's just that we have to really know and you're not gonna get the same rate. You're why people, not? And people ask that all Why the time. Not? They said, Why not? Because it is a specialty item. It is not an item you're going to use every day. It's not an item that's probably going to be at your house. So it's going to be stored somewhere. So we're having to trust that it's stored, you know, undercover. Um, whether you're up north and it's the cold or you're in Texas and it's the heat, it's got to be protected. So we're looking to make sure if we finance you for 20 years that we know you're not going to keep it that long, but if you did, that it's not going to depreciate just from being out in the weather mm -hmm. and just. Well, I mean, it from, is. Of course they are. Yeah. And just driving it and just camping, just the whole how it's going to be used, it's going to rapidly depreciate possibly. So the bank just has you're, to You're really sure. not helping our sales here. <laughs> you're really not helping our sales pitch here. You're going to, no. you're going to rapidly appreciate how much fun you're having in your well, RV. You know, we do always tell people, yeah, our podcast isn't to sell trailers. Oh. So I think we have definitely put a nail in that one. Well, <laughs> and it's just the bank wants to be protected. Oh, yeah. And it's sure at, at that point, we're just giving the money. So it's, we just want to know that that you can afford it and that we're not going to take it back. So I guess that leads me to the next question, because I always love the stats. So is there more foreclosures on RVs than there are on cars? No, 
No, and the re- then and the, why are the rates higher? The reason, okay, there's several reasons. A car. I think that's another good question, PJ. That is a very yeah. good question. I'm just getting it's a little sweaty here. It's good. <laughs> it's good. It's here, I'll be a fan. <laughs> I know. Everyone. <laughs> Don't be weird, though. <laughs> yeah. Too late. Everyone needs a car. And, well, especially in the South, we don't have public transportation. North people don't need cars. <laughs> Maybe not as much. We know it's going to be a shorter term. It's going to be four, five, mm-hmm. or six years. Mm-hmm. We know that you're probably going to stay in this small little area. And and we know it's the, the loan's going to roll and roll and roll. So you're we know that if you went to this bank for this car, you're probably going to want to go to the bank again, that same bank. Maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe not. With an RV, we, there's so many unknowns. We don't know where it's going to be. Um, you know, it's a usually a 10 or 20 year loan, which is a, you know, more risk to the bank. So right. and and even though it is a it is a, a higher FICO scored customer as a as a whole, if something goes south and you have to get rid of something, you're going to get rid of boats, RVs, motorcycles. Right. You're not going to get rid of your car. So there's much less risk in a car loan. Even if you have a lower FICO score, it's less risk to the bank because you need that to keep your income coming. Mm-hmm. And in, in an RV, you don't. And when you ask about about delinquencies, usually the only reason why you'll have or majority of RVs that we take back as a repossession, someone couldn't afford it, is because someone died. You know, it's a couple mm-hmm. and and one of the two died. Otherwise, you know, that with a car you just sell it. With RVs, they just let it go. Yeah. They just let it go. Yeah. You know, back in 2008, 2009, when everything crashed and it was horrible for banks, for dealers, for customers, all of us kind of had a terrible time. Mm-hmm. Did you see like repoed RVs just pile up? Oh, yes. It was very difficult back then. And one of the things that all the banks took a good look at is, you know, how are our lending policies? You know, what do we need to look at? Is there more than just the FICO score that you want to look at? And and we changed a lot of things. And when you're buying an RV, you're going to ha- you're going to be asked for a down payment. A lot of times, you can buy a car with not a down mm-hmm. payment. Sometimes you go to the RV shows and they'll waive your down payment. But that's one of the things that the bank really looks at. And honestly, the more money you put down, the better rate you're going to get because now the bank's saying, "Okay, well, ne- you really want this. You've right. put some hard-earned money in it, and you'll get a better rate." So. Yeah, the rate tiers that I've been seeing, it used to be for a while after the 2008, mm-hmm. 2009 crazy, you had to put money down. Right. But the banks have loosened up now. Right. And you can get zero down loans, but it raises your interest. Right. So I guess because there's no there's more risk there right. for the bank. So it costs more if you don't put any money down. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that. And even if yeah. you just if you put two or three thousand down, you don't have to put mm-hmm. 10,000 yeah. down. If you put money down, it does. It'll help your it'll help yeah. your rate. It's funny, you know, I know the banks that really are just numbers oriented and they're just saying the numbers bear this out. Right. But to me, the numbers are bearing out something that's psychological, <laughs> you know, whereas you're saying in the what 90s, 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. whatever is a little bit more personal. And you're yeah. like, I know you. I'm mm-hmm. looking you in the yeah. eyes. I got a sense. I know who I know who you run with. I know yeah. more. And it's more of small town. And I got a feeling the numbers have really kind of bared this out a little bit to where you're saying, well, the bank is 
is looking at how big your down payment is. Right. So is to, it like to assess the psychology of you're really invested in this? But, <laughs> you know. But is it like life insurance where they have actuary tables where they say the percentage of you know you dying at this age with this you know history is this percentage, and if you put a little more down, then you're you know going to be in a different matrix. Is it that scientific, or do they just kind of say, hey, we'll give you a break if you invest a little bit more in your RV. It is that scientific. Mm. I mean, to the point of we can look at we can look at rates. If the rate goes down a tenth of percent, you know, if it goes from six nine nine to six eight nine, we know that bam, we're gonna get a lot more business. We're gonna have a lot more people coming to us. And you think, well how does 10 basis points make a big difference, but it's that it's that easy to calculate it. And we can look at, um, I mean- All the data we, coming in and We you look can at tell. it in so many different ways. And yeah. I mean, I'll just say too, as, as a bank, and I was just a, the numbers person, is you pull what, you pull what numbers that you need. And mm-hmm. that's why sometimes you'll, um, find someone up in the north that got a certain buy rate and then someone in the south that gets a different buy rate because or because right right on their loan is just because it's different um culture i mm-hmm. guess you would say mm-hmm. i can tell you like for in, some reason the yeah. numbers are different there than they are in the south else. we know people are going to have a lot of credit card debt and instead of us saying really more than the north Definitely. In the Midwest, there's hardly any credit card debt. So you would think, how can you oh, stereotype farmers. it? Uh, that, yeah. That, yeah, there's a there's a culture there. The farmers are like, no, yeah. no, we pay cash and we pay it out. It's all. But they school. also, farmers run on a line of credit. They do. It so, is, but, right. it's a, but it's it's, some, it's like it's a different place of credit. So but, you, so, but we also look at it differently, yeah. just knowing in Texas, highest credit card debt of all the states. Really? But then, but then we can pull back and say, but the delinquencies are good. So they're paying their bills. They just- We just carry more debt. You just carry more debt. And so instead of just being a blunt one blanket bank saying, no, if you have this much debt, we're not gonna do yeah. it. We know in different areas, it's different It's amounts. not just the amount that's carried. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's how reliable you are paying. And I think it's probably I mean, because of our hot summers. We're all putting our, uh, our air conditioner bill on our credit card. <laughs> we are? Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you that, I mean, we all worry about, oh my gosh, you know, people are going to get my personal information. I, I mean, the statistics of everything in our life is out there. Right. I had no idea. I mean, and I've been doing this a long time. I'm pretty mm-hmm. savvy about how the banks work. I had no idea that even regionally they can say mm-hmm. in this area, okay, the, the rates need to be adjusted a little bit. We're mm-hmm. gonna bump you this way, bump you that way. So, wow, wow. And we're just looking at the data for that state. Now, where it makes it a little more tricky with RVs is you have a lot of out-of-state buyers. Sure you do. So now you can't tell. So right. now you're confusing our whole algorithm. Of, <laughs> yeah. you know, how many customers did you have that were out-of-state, which we look at that too. So yep. there's just so much information that you can get and that you can dissect. And it's really trying to make it where the strongest customers get the best rates. They can get the best deals. Um, right. You know, where mm-hmm. we have the least amount of mm-hmm. risk. Now, you said something earlier before we even started recording is is you were kind of saying that, that people don't quite understand. And in the moment, I certainly don't understand that the person asking the question isn't necessarily the person sitting in front of you. Yes. 
So, so what did you kind of mean in that line of speaking? Well, because the bank has the bank has a list of questions that they'll ask, and they'll. I mean, it could be. I mean, just so many different things mm -hmm. that. It's uncomfortable. It's not uncomfortable for me because I do it every day. It's uncomfortable for you to ask someone because you don't necessarily right. get that question every day. And and a lot of times the customer will say, why do you need to know that? Why, mm -hmm. why is that? You know, why do you need my divorce decree? Right. I mean, which rarely happens, but it could happen if you have a lot of joint it, credit. It has yeah. definitely happened with us because they're like, yeah, we got divorced and I got this, but her name's on it. But here's my divorce decree. And yeah. I'm like, uh, not right. quite enough. Right. But and it's not and you're, you were kind of saying it's not necessarily the person who's doing the finance paperwork with you in person. It's right. they're, they're kind of the mouthpiece for this one, for the person who really needs to know the details. Right. At the bank, not in the same city, and, <laughs> you know. And there's a lot of times where the bank will say, OK, he wants a $60,000 loan. If you went to a $59,000 loan, we can get you a better rate. That's hard to c explain to a customer that if you just put a thousand dollars down yeah. I can lower your rate this amount and it's just again the algorithms it's all computerized right. now so we can see if the customer wants to put this much money down this is his rate if he wants mm -hmm. to do this this is his rate so it's just yeah. um, it's not necessarily trying to get more information of you it's trying to how can we get the strongest customers how can we structure mm -hmm. the deal where mm -hmm. we feel and it could sometimes be an amount that's that small, that's that's hard to explain to a customer. Yeah, yeah because $1,000 really doesn't make any difference one way or another on whether it's going to be a good loan, but it puts them in a different algorithm. Right. So what it looks like on a dealer side, for those of you that are listening and may be confused, because this is all a little confusing, oh. is that as a dealer, first of all, there is a, there is a method to collecting information from customers. And the easiest way to do that these days, uh, most people believe, is online, because mm -hmm. it means you don't have a person talking to you. So you can stop, you can rethink, you're not as nervous. Mm -hmm. But if you open that credit app and it's one huge long page of questions, then it's gonna look daunting and you're not gonna wanna do it. Yeah. So, so we're trying to strike a balance. So we ask as little questions as we can to get that credit app turned in. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes they'll just say, okay, how about this amount? And we're like, woohoo! Mm -hmm. um, but then sometimes they'll start asking questions. And it, it even goes down to when on our credit app on our website, um, we have it broken down into like five or six different slides because if you saw this huge yeah. thing of right. 40 questions, you're not going to want to do this. It's right. going to be like, Ugh. it's like intake paperwork at the doctor's office. Yeah. How many pages? <laughs> <laughs> Sign the front and the back, three pages, and then go to the third one and initial right. seven times. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we'll have you fill out your name, your address, who's applying, you know, basic stuff. And then you hit next and you go to the next page and then it, it brings another slide up and you answer a few questions about your employment then the next slide up and it talks about where you live mm -hmm. and then the next slide up how much do you want to put down do you have a unit in mind we'll be in touch so it's pretty basic um, but some people are like why do I have to go through five six different slides it's just a mental thing so it doesn't feel overwhelming but then all of a sudden you feel like you've kind of made it through the gauntlet 
And this guy calls you up and says, I need pay stubs for the last two years and <laughs> your tax returns from, you know, 2022. Uh, uh, it feels like a, but wait, there's more, like, but not the good kind. Uh, so I know often as a dealer, we feel like the bad guy here. Yes. Because we are pushing for info and then we have to go back and ask again. But that is not something that we do after we get their information, which I think is maybe the customer's perception, right? Right. And and we as banks feel like we're doing a service to the customer of give us just a little bit of information. Let us run the numbers and then we can tell the dealer how much you can mm-hmm. afford because you don't know. I mean, right. I don't know. Can I afford 50000 100000 $20,000? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that way, at least when you're in the dealership, you know you're going to be shown the, the units that you can afford. Because the worst thing you can do is say, I like that one over there, and then find out you can only afford this one over right, here. Right, right, right. So if, if the bank can get a little information and give you an idea, we're just trying to protect everyone and not, not let you get in over your head. Mm-hmm. It helps you as a dealership to be able to get them in the right unit. Well, that would be great, but we don't do credit checks before they go out and look at units. Uh, so we don't know. I know some dealerships do, yeah. and there are people that get offended by that because they yeah. don't they don't want to go through the jump through the hoops. They just want to look at RVs. So yeah. there's really two different ways to right. do this. Right. Should and we do a choose your own adventure when they come in the door? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is a maybe this is a thing we should explore. Maybe if you want this, go to chapter ten. There you go. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but but that does bring up a point. We need to show them what they can afford, and very often. Um, you know, we don't know if they have a 500 credit score nope. or if they have an 800 credit score. Because everyone looks the same. You yeah, can't yeah. tell. You can't tell. You can't yeah, tell. it doesn't get tattooed on your no. forehead, does it? No. Yeah, we don't have ID tags on our arms to say, ah, oh, I can get good financing. Yes. Right. Um, right. So that being said, I know the rage now is what they call soft Polls. Mm-hmm. Because when you see something on a website that says, won't affect your credit. Yeah. Check. Check. What do they say? You know, um, pre- get pre-qualified. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, won't affect your credit. What does that mean? Because they're still collecting information. Right. And they call it a soft pull on your credit. How? How? What? Is that really real? Does it really not Terry affect fix this your for credit? Us. <laughs> it's really real. When it comes to a bank, any information you give us is not a soft pull. Now, if you are doing, there's some industries, like if you're doing insurance, you're trying to see if you can get insurance on your RV. Mm-hmm. That's usually a soft pull because you're not, you haven't signed, well, you've signed an application, but you haven't signed anything. You haven't decided. There's no commitment. Yeah, there's not a commitment. Right. And they're not getting all of the information. They're pretty much getting your date of birth, name, address, and probably your social. social. And you got to have your social. Yeah, and your social. So can the bank see a soft pull? We cannot always see a soft pull. Uh, okay. Insurance companies, we can. And we just we started doing that probably ten, eight or 10 years ago mm-hmm. um, just to try to see um, what's going on in the back. But a lot of soft pulls, you, if the doctor's office pulls a soft pull, sometimes they'll do that at the hospital. Sometimes we won't mm-hmm. see medical. Um, 
if you, I don't know how dealers can pull us, do a soft pull. If you do a soft pull, we probably wouldn't see yours. So it wouldn't affect your credit rate. No, a soft pull shouldn't affect. And if you're looking for an RV and you're looking at three or four or five different places, if you do it all within seven days, it's not going to affect, it's going to be like one big pull. It's not going to say, oh, well, you looked at seven things. So the, the cutoff time is seven days. Mm-hmm. Ah, I need to know that. So but you, but you also if you're going to shop, then then get to it. That's right. right. <laughs> that's right. But you've got to figure if you're going to buy a truck and an RV, you're going to have your truck pulls like all the places that they all the banks they've sent it to. And they'll send it to like 10 places. They could send it to 20 places. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then, they do some of them. And then if you the next week or in two weeks or in a month, you go to an RV dealership. Now you have seven more pools. Now you could have as many as 30 pools. Ooh. That'll that'll knock down your credit. Now, not a big issue because we can tell what happened. Right. You're, you bought a truck. Now you're buying a, an RV. We can tell it will knock down your credit. So it's almost. But then better. you ask the other qu- uncomfortable questions right. and find out about the person. Right. And yeah. then the bank can, you know, we can justify, okay. And then on the banking side, we will put notes in there that, okay, we can mm-hmm. see, we can see who you, who's pulled your credit. So we'll say, you know, 12 of those were for the car he just bought, mm-hmm. but he traded in a car. So he does have this new car payment, but he has the other one that he traded in. So it's a wash. Right. So there's a lot of that that goes on. Yeah. So, you know, I guess the moral of the story here is to protect your credit. Soft pulls are generally okay. Mm -hmm. It's it's not a bad thing to kind of see where you're at. It doesn't affect getting a loan. However, you don't want to go in and apply for real credit like every two months, every time you get a free day and you want to go see about an RV, because then you are hit over and over and over and over. And the bank will see that. Right. Right. And that does not look good. Sure. I couldn't. No recovery from that. We see that a lot with people with uh, less than stellar credit. They just keep trying every couple of months and all it does is make it worse well and i would suggest to someone that has and and with us anything under 720 for your score is a lower score Mm -hmm. i would yeah i would suggest to someone like that is don't just don't pull your credit don't get to that point really research it find what you want find the dealership you want and then start there and dealers i think dealers are very aware and very cognizant of what they're doing when they're pulling their credit and people should never be afraid of saying, I only want you to pull my credit once. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Or I don't want you to pull my credit at all. I want to know what an 800 credit score would be in your estimate. But you can't ask the salesperson, right? Salespeople don't know. It, the finance guy knows. Right. The salespeople, they don't have phone, direct phone lines to bank people. Yeah, typically. Yeah. <laughs> <The> <laughs> oh, it's a that, really small dealership. <laughs> but you know, that is the complaint I get all the time from yeah. my sales staff. They're saying, yeah, well, they asked me, what's the rate going to be? I have to answer them. And I'm like, well, I I don't know. Well, I just, when you ask them how long they're going to live, I mean, they don't. Yeah. You There's things you don't know. How can you answer them? And right. in a dealership, you're set up. And I'll say, and I've had dealers across the whole country is, you have experts. You have expert salespeople. You have an expert or, um, finance person. That's how I want to make a purchase, that every step of the way I get the expert. Because 
you might say, well, I bank at Frost Bank. That's where I want my RB to be finance. But you've got a finance person who's an expert. So he knows 20 banks and he'll say these five banks or your best bet, your best rates, your best, you know, we've got a special mm-hmm. along with them, whatever. Mm-hmm. That would be a full-time job for a salesperson. And the salesperson is now, they take a lot of time learning the product, mm-hmm. learning, you know, yes. the pros and cons, yep. knowing so that they can really pick the right one for you. Same with finance. They're Will gonna- you do a commercial for me? <laughs> because we really need that to play like at the front door. Yeah. Find the expert that can answer your specific question. Right. Uh, because they're all in the building somewhere. Yeah. And then put my picture up. Not this guy. <laughs> and, and if you push the salesperson, well, just give me an idea. Well, I don't know. It can be anywhere from six to 18 mm-hmm. percent. There's no way for them to know. And then how helpful is that? It, yeah, it's not. Is, is someone going to make a decision on this? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. I do mm-hmm. not want my salesperson finding a loan, nor do I want the finance person showing me trailers. Yeah, it, right. Yeah. That's another <laughs> right. thing because salespeople sometimes they're good at sales, but they're also maybe good at buying things. I've known a few. (laughs) I don't know. It's it's interesting. Okay. Well, we were we're now to the interest rate part of the program. So big change. Is this the good part? part. Okay. Now I I would like to back up just a hair. Uh, We didn't really say what you did at at your bank. Oh. And the last bank you were with was Bank of America. Bank of America. So hope they're not after me for this. Oh. So. No, yeah. When I was at Bank of America, I was the national manager for the RV division. So I did North America. So I had dealers all across the country, um, which was very eye-opening. I'd always done, been a rep in Texas. I've been a rep in a couple of other states. But then seeing how different it really is mm. all across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and where you have dealers that are really specialized, like here, you don't have a lot of dealers that really specialize in, I mean, it's such a specialty RV. So you really have to be on your game to do to do that. And you're pulling customers from all over the country. And we, we know as banks, which dealers, I mean, it would be odd for It'd be odd for the, the Honda store down the street to get a lot of customers from California. Then the bank, as a bank, we'd be like, hmm, that's weird. What's happening here? But here we know you get customers from the whole, all across the country. Right. Right. And that's why you want, or that's why we have it set up where dealers and banks have a relationship and you're my customer. So now we know, we know we can trust you. We know if you're a bank, if you're a dealer that signed with a national bank, you know that dealer's strong because the bank has a lot of criteria who can be there. Not just everyone can't be your dealer. So it's dealers that really um, have their ducks in a row. So as a customer, you can really feel like if a dealer's given you, you know, well, you got these three banks and they're all national banks. You, you kind of, to me, you feel a little bit more comfortable while well, this dealer's well-respected. Mm-hmm. Well, we had to apply to be your... Right customer right just like the customers are applying to us right did they we ask us uncomfortable you. questions at oh, all? oh <laughs> man Ooh. i mean you pretty much yeah. get undressed right hey. there <laughs> it is i mean am i kidding oh. it is no, it is very yourself. don't become a dealer it's, uh, <laughs> i just finished an audit for one of our flooring banks mm-hmm. 
today. I hope I finished it. He came back to me three times Mm -hmm. with more questions and more data that he wanted. And I think I finally, well, I don't know. He could come back and say, now I want to see this, this, and this. But we are constantly as a dealership having to provide information so that you can run all the numbers and be sure that we're doing our job well. Well, bankers know that we're healthy. Yes, absolutely. And that we're paying them appropriately and that all the money is transferring appropriately. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I get it. But, you know, it's still uncomfortable for an RV buyer. And the next thing is, you know, we've done a lot of podcasts about how do I know when I'm getting a good trailer? And Mm -hmm. the next question is, how do I know if I'm getting a good loan? Because interest rates feel arbitrary Mm -hmm. to customers. Um, We have seen such a huge difference between what we could get for a customer two years ago and what we can get for a customer now. Mm -hmm. Can we like back up to the beginning. And that's why I wanted people to know that you not only have done this a long time, but you actually helped set the rates for the bank and set the programs for what they would accept. So where does that interest rate start? That's a good question. And that's not. Ooh, I got three, three good three. questions. Okay, that's not my favorite question. Oh. <laughs> okay, so you're on base. That wasn't a home run. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, uh, the, the Rangers are winning, so it's okay. It's, it's an age old question of how do rates get set and, and how do mortgage rates get? Why are they different than RV and they're different than auto? And it kind of starts with the Federal Reserve. People know. You know, um, Jerome Powell. He we know that he's the chairman of the Federal Reserve, but does he make all the rules? How how does that really work? And what happens with the Federal Reserve? Just I'll do be as brief as I can. Yeah, give me the the small uh, government class no, here. No, I want the I name of know. every person pushing pencils, <laughs> so we can talk to them about our interest rate. Right? We can complain. I'd like to draw, you know, just a nice nice little chart how everyone's connected. A Federal Reserve tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the function of the Federal Reserve really is to protect consumers. I mean, it's a consumer Hard to imagine. Yeah, it's, a, it's very consumer based. So what they do is you have a chairman and that's Mr. Powell. He is he is chosen by the president and then he has to be approved by the Senate. So he's kind of the top of the Federal Reserve. Then you have a committee that's a kind of a governance committee, mm-hmm. just different people that he can apply that he can choose. If you're on the committee, you're there for 12 years. If you're the chairman, you're there for four years. So every four years, you'll change. Then you have 12 banks of the Federal Reserve. And these are banks that are run by the Federal Reserve. They're in different places in the country. We've got one in Dallas. And what they're doing is they are taking every piece of data you can think of. I mean, if there's data that can be put in black and white, they're taking Mm -hmm. it. Then they compare themselves with the whole country. So you've got 12 banks around the country. And that's what Mr. Powell will look at. He'll say, okay, where are we struggling? Where does it look like? And we know, we know Texas is pretty stable. You know, no really big highs and good times, no really big lows and low times. So So these are 12 specific banks. Right. It isn't like all of Bank of America. It's like no. a branch in Dallas. Right. The bank is of, one of the Federal Reserve right. Banks. The Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas is what it's called. Okay. And that's I mean, they're a regular working bank, but they're owned by the government. And then 
that kind of gives us an idea of, well, we see it starting in California. Usually it'll go across the country. So if they see something happening in California, they want to get ahead of it. So eight times a year they meet and then they talk about what have, what have we seen in the last couple of months. Um, so it's a way to keep a finger on the pulse all around the nation, right? Comparatively, and oddly enough, they are meeting today. Yes, they're meeting, and it doesn't. Sometimes we're in text, and we're like, "Well, that doesn't seem fair. We're doing fine. Our economy's good. Why are they?" But we're kind of eating it up for the whole country. I mean, they they have to set one one reserve. So they and they meet eight times a year. They can meet more. They can meet less. I don't know why they would ever meet less, but so that starts it. And that then they kind of we look at did the prime rate go up? Did it go down? Then banks will do the same thing. Okay, well, you know, we're wanting to slow down the business a little bit. We'll raise our rates a little bit. Or sometimes banks can go through times where they're seeing a lot of delinquencies. And I mean, a bank's just like any other business. We answer to our shareholders. So we want to make sure, you know, if we start taking losses, we have to answer to the to our to our shareholders. So we look at the Federal Reserve. There's also other federal agencies that look at banks to see where we can go and try we try, you know, banks try to be the most competitive they can be. And it's interesting because it's almost like a gentleman's agreement with all the banks. You won't see one bank with just stupid low rates and one bank with stupid high rates. It'll be someone will be the best always, but you're going to see banks always pretty close to each other. And you so know, it's just, not like gas stations where there's price gouging and price wars and all that. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I don't know. It's kind of like that, but a little nicer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you also, you also can look at, um, sometimes it's not under the bank's control or the dealer's control where sometimes there's a, metal shortage or there could be a compressor shortage or there could be an air conditioning shortage now suddenly it's hard for you to get the unit so the units are priced higher mm-hmm. so then the bank's thinking well last year it was 60,000 this year it's 85,000 well that doesn't that seems like it's a huge jump we're going to bump our rate a little bit higher so that we know we we've got the cushion in case we have that extra bit of risk right um so, because if the market's not stable with the RV pricing, right. uh, like it hasn't been for a few years, then there is more risk for the bank because they aren't worth as much or they're worth a different amount or people can't trade it in right. or it just feels like an uncertainty yes. more than anything. Yeah. And there's a lot of uncertainty to it. Right. Numbers. Money is so, emotional. And I mean, it, we live through what now we're going on three years of high exhausting anxiety inducing emotional (laughs) events right (laughs) yeah so okay yeah so if the federal reserve decides to raise the interest rate a quarter point Uh uh if they raise prime to be a little they raise it a quarter then the banks don't necessarily have to raise everything they do a quarter they could right. stay the same or they could adjust depending on what they think. Because, I, I mean, the Federal Reserve raises and lowers the interest rate to manage the economy. Right. And then the bank raises and lowers to manage how many loans they're giving. Right. Now, get, real briefly, I realize we're in the weeds. We've probably lost most of the audience by now. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was no. nice. It was nice knowing you guys. They are totally with us. They're, they're sleeping. <laughs> they're they're 
resting but, comfortably. But sleep is good for them. They are enjoying it. We're yeah. doing a great service. Hopefully, I think so. They're not driving. But. I, I think it's really informative. But so so I was surprised when I realized that banks have to control how many how much money they have out on loan. Right. So they're regulated by the government, basically, right, as to how much percentage they can loan out based on how much cash they have right. in certain reserves, right? right? Yeah, I didn't know you were going to bring that up. That's kind of personal. Now I'm the customer's like, why are you asking me that question? <laughs> well, because, but yeah. yeah, why do rates change? I mean, we have some banks where I can get an approval Mm-hmm. And then I have to turn it back in for another approval and it jumps 2%. And that's mm-hmm. a, I mean, I know the Federal Reserve didn't change. Right. And they say, yeah, um, we need to slow down our loans because our portfolio was, we got right. too many loans right. too fast. Right. Right. We misjudged right. and now we need to get less loans. And I'm like, well, that's one way to do it. And that's hard. It's hard when you are the bank and you see that it's getting a lot, a lot of times, especially during COVID, it was just such a burst of inner, of of units is we had a lot of used. So right. You want to have more new than used, but you want to have used because it's still used. RVs is a fantastic sure. product. It's a great market. The, yeah, it's a great. You pull in great customers. It's great for the bank. But there's so many things, and and you would think, oh, they raised the rate, the prime rate went up. Well, now the bank rates are going to go. Not necessarily. It's okay. They're, they're Good not, to know. They're not. It's a. It's an indicator. If we're lowering or lowering, lowering, and then. The Federal Reserve's raising and raising. Okay, do we know what we're doing? But it's not necessarily that that you would raise right away. It but if keep they keep raising it, chances are banks yeah. are going to raise it too. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. they have to adjust. Yeah, and also it's um, you. We look at our competition too, and pretty much we all will raise and lower at the same time. But it's hard hard as a customer that I wanted to go to this bank where I went last time. Well, this bank I'll do it for hundred basis points less. Well, that you don't really understand, well, how? They're just banks. It's just money is money, but it's just what are they trying to... Do what, they want what, more what? loans or less loans? Mm-hmm. So they'll adjust a little bit and because of that. banks don't just answer to themselves internally. Right. You answer to yeah. the feds. Yes. The feds and the shareholders. <laughs> both. Yeah, absolutely. So there is a lot of business management that balancing. goes on yeah. Yeah, with interest rates. And interest rates is how you control that. Yeah. As how we, you get more loans or less yeah, loans. Generally, yes. generally we we want to loan as much as possible. However, we also want to stay in good standing, so we're going to have to slow it down. Up, go the rates just slightly. <laughs> and when you were you were you asked me earlier something about how do you know if it's a bank that you want to use? How do you pick which bank it is? And that's a hard that's tricky because I mean banks are all covered by you know the they're, the banks are all stable banks even credit unions you know if you want to use a bank if you want to use a credit union the differences are credit unions are regulated more a little differently than banks you can do more things at a credit union because you're not being watched as closely not mm-hmm. to say that they're doing anything crazy it's just you know maybe it's a customer that doesn't have any money to put down or maybe it's a customer that's wants to take it you know and put it at his lake house and live in it you know banks when, when you're doing a loan on an RV with, with a bank, it's it's an RV, it's a specialty loan. It's for personal use, it's for driving around in. Credit unions will let you live in it. And a lot of times people say, well, we're gonna stay there on the weekends or we're gonna take it to our lake house and we're gonna use it that way. It's just the bank 
does not want you to be living in it because Ooh. we can't we can't foreclose it because we don't have a mortgage loan with it. Right. So if and that's why a lot of times dealers will really push you if you say, well, you know, we're building a house, so we're going to put it on the land while we build the house. OK, well, that's not necessarily living in it because you're going to build a house. A we plan. don't, we right. don't want you to say we have this land, we're going to live in it for 10 or 15 years and then build a house. Uh, yeah, I've definitely heard the conversation of, you know, while, while you're talking to anyone here at the mm-hmm. dealership or with a bank or credit union or whatever, maybe not credit, you know. I, we don't really need to know to the greatest detail what your plans are. If you plan on spending a significant amount of time, let's put it that way, versus putting it in, I'm going to be living in it. Don't tell us how much time in a you know 24-hour period you're going to be spending on a daily basis in this thing. But there again, we try to be honest with the mm-hmm. banks. Of course. But, but what do you do? I mean, banks don't most banks have in their regulations that yes. they will not fund full-time full-timers mm-hmm. why it's because you can't repo it right it's not a mortgage loan so we can just roll to another location not be found yeah and we can, and we, <laughs> well, there you go legally we can't foreclose it no matter how far past you are no matter if i know it's right there in ah, front of me i can't yeah. because that's your home and and yeah it's not a mortgage. So why would a bank want to put themselves in that situation? They, yeah. If they're in the business of also protecting themselves, their, you know, their shareholders and what have you. Mm-hmm. So why would a bank want to put themselves in that situation? Right. Well, and so what do customers do that want to live in it? Because that is pretty common. Well, and that's where you go to credit unions who are mm. not regulated. And so credit unions can um, finance full timers <laughs> because they can foreclose. Right, because they can foreclose because they're not being regulated as heavily. Interesting. It's oh, I never knew that. Let me call my a lot wife of, real quick. I got plans. A, a lot of credit unions still won't. Right. However, yeah. However, um, there are some banks that specialize in that. Right. And they are visible sometimes and then hard to find others. So I don't know that it has worked so well for them, but it is out there. That is a tough problem. It's tough. It's very a tough, tough problem. Yeah. And it, even just people that are buying motorhomes that want to live in their motorhome and just travel full time. Sure. sure. There's banks that specialize in that, but it is right. a mortgage. It's a mortgage type loan. Not. Yeah. It's different than a standard bank financing at the dealership usually. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Well, gosh, what have we not covered here? I think we've talked about so many different parts of banking and financing. Even, I mean, I've been doing this for a very long time, maybe not 40 years, but a long time. And I've learned a lot. You know, I think if we if we really want to do a good service to our listeners, we should prepare them for these situations. You know, so, so everyone who's listening, we're about to ask about 15, 20 minutes of very personal questions. <laughs> and wherever you are, answer out loud. I don't care who's around. And you know what? I, what I would say that we're going to practice being uncomfortable. Is right, that, that what you're saying? That way, when you roll into an RV dealership in the finance office and all that, you're you're but set. You're, you are you're, you are well yeah, rehearsed. Your nerves are shot already. I think the the biggest que- or the question I get asked the most of the times is from salespeople saying, "How do I answer them when they ask me mm-hmm. what my rates yeah. are?" Is I would just because I like to sell myself and say I'm an expert in sales. I can tell you everything you need to know about and these RVs. I can tell you, I can get you exactly what you want. He 
can tell you exactly the back end part of right. it. But just but don't be like, I don't know, maybe seven, right. maybe ten, maybe fifteen. Right. Just say I know what I'm an expert in, and that's right. knowing these units. Right, and don't don't set yourself up with with a false number or something right. that, that's going to come back around. Well, you said yes, because it's going to yeah. come back around. It does too easily. Yeah. So. Well, so what suggestions would you have, Terry, if somebody is going to buy an RV, they're going to finance? What is going to put them in the best position? What would you What would you instruct someone brand new to this to do? Getting them ready for finance. Mm -hmm. I would say everyone that's buying an RV is expecting you to ask for a down payment. I might not tell you that I'm expecting it, but I've got some money set aside just mm -hmm. in case is I would start off with, okay, you know, it's a specialty unit. So they're going to ask for 10% down. Just lead with that and just keep going. And then they've got a little bit of time to think, okay, well, 60,000, okay, 6,000. You know, they've got to, that'll help them know kind of what level they want to be at. So if and, you're a buyer, you need to be thinking 10% yeah. down. Yeah. Now you might be able to have the option of, putting more money down, I would say- Or putting less money down. Or, yeah. Or putting, or putting zero down. Right. Or putting zero down. But just know too, you're going to probably finance for 10 years or 15 or 20 years. Can you just like put a little yeah. cash in It's there? a nice little way of just mm -hmm. doing a, a quick little self-assessment going in. If I needed to, 10% yeah. down of, of this would be such and such amount. If I walk in, then I have an idea ballpark of what is reasonable- Mm -hmm. across the products on the lot to look at. And everybody sure checks their credit score these days. Yeah. I mean, every it's it's like everywhere. It's sometimes it's on the back of your credit card statements. I mean, you can find it all kinds mm -hmm. of places. So if you have an idea of what your credit score is, what's a good credit score? What is going, I mean, Bank of America that you uh, are associated with is um, a I don't know. I don't know what they call them. An A plus bank, a tier rated mm -hmm. bank. You want, I've heard of them. You want A plus paper. You want good credit scores. Right. So if you're going to any national bank, which would be like Bank of the West, U.S. Bank, um, Huntington Bank, Fifth Third, is they're going to want money down and they're going to push you for 10 percent down at the beginning. If you say, well, gosh, that's six thousand. I've got four thousand. OK. Okay. Well, I mean, that makes that makes mm -hmm. some sense for us. Um, it depends too on you know if you've got a trade in. It, there's a lot of other things that mm -hmm. figure into it. But um, yeah, if you can just not make a big deal about it. I know it's hard when you're like, oh, I'm going to need how much yeah. money can you put mm -hmm. down? Yeah. If you just say, okay, they're going to need ten percent. So let's just look. But so many of our customers, you know, they do their application and they say, I just want to see what it's like if I put nothing down. Yeah. But then they say, oh, that rate's too high. Right. And we're like, well, well you, you played, put yeah. something down. You didn't put yeah. the right information that in to get the right. That might help you. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. But, but what's a good credit score? What's a credit score that they could go, oh, no problem. Okay, if it's below 720, it's going to be tougher to get them financed. And 720 is a pretty high score. I mean, 10 years ago, very few people, but now they've kind of changed the way they score. So you, I've heard the so scores have changed, yeah. It, so if it's under 720, that doesn't mean you're not going to get financed. It just means you're going to either going to need to put more money down or you're going to have to pay a little bit higher rate. You might not get that the, as long a term as, the, as you're wanting. And you would think, well... But a shorter term gives me a higher payment, so that doesn't make sense. But it's all going back to the risk of 
shorter shorter cycle right so and a lot of people come in and say i want to pay 300 dollars a month yeah. or less and you're like yeah. uh okay well then you've how much money are you going to put down and they're like well maybe a thousand and you're like all right well that's really limiting yeah. and you know it's it it's very difficult to say oh yeah i gotcha i can get you in this one right i mean we can guess we can get a little closer but we can't you know we don't know their credit score we right. don't know the the rates um rates that we see here on what we call second chance lenders mm -hmm. that are below 720 right um, they go in Texas all the way up to 17.9%. Right. I believe in Texas you can't go over 17.9. Yeah. You can't go over 18. Yeah. Yeah. There's a law in Texas, but there is not a law everywhere. Right. Um, some places will charge 19.9. Yeah. Mm. Um, and credit cards are 23 all day long these days. Sure. Well, and I was going to say, so, too, if you're looking at the big picture of we can buy this trailer, we can go camping on the weekends. You you do say, oh gosh, 16%, that's ridiculous. But you're not gonna pay for hotels. You're not gonna pay, you know, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna get the enjoyment. You're gonna get memories for your kids. Mm -hmm. So right. you, you think it's right. a lot high amount, but look at, divide it out by how many times you're gonna use it a year or just. And even if it's, even if it's, and that's the thing, quality time is, it really is priceless. The, yeah. the relational part, the experience part, the memories, what you do with your life, being unplugged <laughs> yeah. away from things. Yeah. Um, but you want to be smart with your money and no, you can no, always. No, I don't. Stop. Yes. <laughs> yes. So don't you can always refinance in two years, right? Well, plus you want, sometimes I want to say, okay, you went to Disney for six days. You could have paid a year's worth of RV payments. Yeah. For what yeah. you took, and then mm -hmm. you can go every, and especially here in Texas, we've got places within an hour, <laughs> two, three hours that yeah. are just amazing. Sure, and so yeah. you, you, I mean, you could have a whole year's worth of weekends or you know adventures. Yeah, right. absolutely, so absolutely. I, I would never get hung up on. Oh, I'm not going to pay ten percent. I'm not going to pay fifteen percent on your interest rate because. If you look at it for the amount of time you're going to sure. use compared to a hotel, no one says, oh, I'm not going to pay $300 for a hotel room. They just do it because, well, that's just what it is. Yeah. Right. And something else about RV loans, that there is no prepayment penalties on almost any yes. bank. Now, I think we have one bank that may have $200 if you pay it in the first few years. But yeah. for the most part, you can pay whatever amount you want every month mm -hmm. and you can pay it off anytime you mm -hmm. want. And not pay any more interest. I mean, all of that. So there are adjustments you can make there. That's probably a whole nother podcast is managing percentage rates. But yeah, but I, I you hear that. I think that's an uh, invite to come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you do have a credit score that's lower than 720, I wouldn't discourage you from applying. I wouldn't either. Yeah, yeah. Because there are banks who will loan that you will pay a higher percentage rate and they absolutely will require 10 percent down. Right. Now, just know they, that that yeah. if you've got 10 percent down, you most likely can get a loan. Now, at what point is your credit score unbankable? For RVs, I would say anything that's under 650 is really tough. It's tough and it's and it's tough for the bank not trying to be your parent. But if your score is if you're struggling with the bills that you have now, 
it's not the time for you to get an RV. Right. It's really just not the time. Now, it could be that you had a blip. Maybe you had heart surgery, so you have six months of bad credit. The rest of your score is, I mean, the rest of your credit history is good, mm-hmm. but it's hitting your score. So it you could th- be a timing thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. A like, I just had heart, heart surgery. Right. I feel like I need to get on with my bucket list. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but maybe not with an RV for six months. Right. Get on with that bucket list. Do right. the things that don't require an RV. <laughs> right. right. Get yourself get yourself another six to 12 months of good credit yeah. and then come back. And mm-hmm. now I have heard this is a little off topic, but I have heard that medical charges don't count as much when banks look at it. Is that true? <sighs> yes. And no. OK. Yes. And All right. No. Well, that's the answer. Then. Okay. A national bank, one of the big banks, because such a volume there's such a volume going through that they're just looking at different things so with a national bank yes it's still going to matter if you go to a regional bank or you go to a credit union they're going to be more able to work with you because it's still a little bit more relationship based okay um so you're not going to run through the computer and spit out the other side before somebody looks at it Right. Somebody might look at it and say, right. yeah, obviously there was an issue here, but everything else is perfect. Right. So, and, and and honestly, what we're looking at mostly is mortgage and auto. I mean, we're mm-hmm. looking at those two things. OK, are, you're handling those, your credit cards you're handling, but you've got medical. Well, now child support is a different thing. If you have child support that's past due, you're not going to get a specialty loan. Yeah. You're just yeah. not. I mean, fair or not fair, um, it's a little bit lower than medical. And and even if you have a national bank and you say there's some medical on there and it's two or $3,000, maybe it's not that big a deal to the bank. But your, your finance manager is going to have to call them back and say, look, their kid had this happen, mm-hmm. you know. They, they kept everything up. And sometimes it's you have to get a pair of eyes to look at the loan and not just a computer. Because most or a lot of our loans, because customers' credits are so so strong, they just automatically approve with a computer. No one's looked at it. On the reverse side, some of them get turned down that nobody's looked at. And if you've got a good explanation, then, I mean, I would always try. Sure. Yeah, so uh, if somebody's looking for a loan for you at a dealership, be sure to tell them your story if you've got something that's a little odd. You know, also, banks don't like to fund two RVs. They only like to fund one. (laughs) Right, and the rule, the general rule is one of each side. If you have a motorhome and you have an R-Pod, well, that's two very different kinds of camping. You might be able to do that. It's still, it's just kind of hard. We don't want, the, as a bank, again, acting as your parent, we don't want you to get too overwhelmed. And and a lot of times we'll just have that finance manager say, well, what is the bulk of what they're doing? I mean, mm-hmm. do they even really need this? And yeah. I mean, maybe they do, maybe they don't. What we're afraid of is that I'm going to buy an RV within my son who has kind of bad credit, wants to go with us too so we're going to buy another one he can't get credit because his credit's bad we'll just pay for both of them and he can come with us well banks don't want that we, we yeah. want to know that you're buying the rv you're going to be the person using that rv mm-hmm. wow well that's that's all a lot of information if somebody's looking for a loan or ever wanted to know all the crazy that goes along with banking and getting an rv loan I mean, we've covered a lot. I don't think we've missed much of it. Good. Um, 
Wow. Hold well. on, let me see. Caitlin, okay. did you learn anything? Yes. You know, she grew up. With you know it. things. <laughs> <laughs> she already knew her mom was super smart. <laughs> it's so pretty. Oh yes, and so pretty. She looks like me, right? Yeah, we're twins. That's what everyone says. Yeah. We're twins. Everyone yep. says it. It's crazy. Yep. Well, um, gosh. I think this was awesome. Thank you so much for making the trip to talk to us. I love it. And you know what I would love to do? I'm inviting myself, but when you have- On air, you're inviting yourself. You know that, right? Bold, very bold. Yes. I love a live audience. Love it. So when you have your rallies, I would love to come. We used to do this a lot in the Valley is on Saturday mornings, we would go to RB, just different RB parks and because people have questions. Mm -hmm. And I only know to answer what I think your question might be so i would love to come to a rally and just do a breakfast and everyone just asks me all the questions there's a lot of questions you have you don't want to ask the finance person because right. then uh-huh. they're going to know that right. this was kind of right. in my mind or i mean people have a lot of grandparents and grandkids and meshing that all together how does that work you don't necessarily want to ask your finance manager but you'd like to have a contact sure. that you sure. can say hey Okay, so can we sign you up for two things? Because I think, Clint, what we ought to do is have a seminar at the rally, Mm -hmm. which would be awesome. In fact, maybe I'll invite you to stay with me in my barefoot trailer. Oh, I don't know. I've I've got a few options here. We'll find something spectacular. Um, That would be super fun. Uh, We've talked about it before. We've never made it happen. Mm -hmm. Let's make it happen in the spring. And side note, our rally this spring, it is in Bandera, Texas. Anybody can come. We call it the Texas Tiny Trailer Rally, but honestly, we've had motorhomes there. Anybody can come. We've had non-RV owners. Yes. <laughs> People just like to show up and join us. Yeah. We're there four days, all kinds of seminars, all kinds of talks, fire pits, dances, barbecue. I mean, it's a super fun time, and it is right after the solar eclipse. Oh, so there is, there is where it is a total so yeah. it is a total eclipse. There is a four, three day package. I think you can buy from the park. They've saved a few more for our rally goers only. There's no place oh, well. else you can camp yeah. now. But if you need a space, if you come to our rally and you sign up for it, you can get three days of camping in Bandera at oh. Skyline Ranch. The leading the leading up to it. So it's so leading the, up right before the yeah, rally. I want to say the the. Eclipse is like two days, one one or two days before the rally officially starts. Right. But rallyers will be there pre-camping. Yes. Pre-rallying. And I hope I'm pre-rallying with them. Yeah. But at any rate, um, go to TexasTinyTrailerRally.com. Yeah. All right. Got that? Check it out. I We should have Terry there to talk about banking, financing, refinancing, trade-in amounts. And Caitlin. And, and Caitlin, will, of course, will be there. She no, helps no, no. run Terry's, the rally. Terry will talk about Caitlin. Oh, I'll tell oh well, oh, we can I, talk about Caitlin. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell we, we can talk about Caitlin right now, we're, we're gonna, but uh, we'll do that another time. We'll talk about awkward questions, and then we'll talk about yeah. awkwardness. <laughs> all, all the things. Yeah. But I think we also ought to do like a happy hour here. We haven't done a happy oh, hour since be before good. COVID. Mm-hmm. And, and just invite the community to stop in and mm-hmm. talk to the bank specialist. Yeah. You know, it's always good to have people here. We like to have evening events here at Princess Craft and just, you know, everything from maintenance to 
traveling ideas to first aid to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. banking. Yep. I think that would be spectacular. Yeah, so be fun. We will sign you up for all the things, Terry. Uh, all the things. All, okay. the things. all the things. I love princess crap, so I'm in. Awesome. Well, everyone, that's it. And Terry, we can't thank you enough. This has been excellent. You were just, you were wondering if we were going to find a way to keep this, this thing going. Yeah. It, I mean, really? You were wondering? Yeah. Well, you, Between your mouth and my was, mouth? Come on, easy. sweetie. That was Super You know easy. better than that. That was easy. So, um, so, Caitlin, thank you for letting your mom come over to play. Yeah. yeah. And everyone, thank you for listening. You can find show notes at rvsmalltalk.com. You can find us on social media at RV Small Talk Podcast. Just look us up. We are there. Look up the Texas Tiny Trailer Rally. It is in the spring. We will also have a Texas Truck Camper Rally. Texas Truck Camper Rally.com for the truck campers. Texas Tiny Trailer Rally.com for the trailers. And guess what? If you don't have a truck camper or trailer, you just like rallying for some reason. <laughs> Come on to either of them. Come on to both of them. We don't care. Join us. That's it. PJ, anything else? You know, not much else. The only other thing I want to say, I don't usually promote Prince's Craft, but we have a handful of 2022s left, and we had a little bit of a hailstorm. We're fixing everything. It was not a little hailstorm. We, have, we had, we had a, a, a big-ass hailstorm. Okay? <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's the technical term. We are fixing everything, but we are also discounting it, so you're getting a great trailer, mm-hmm. um, a full warranty. We just have some super deals. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if anybody out there right now... If you think dim- dimples are cute... Is listening to this and would like a screaming deal, just give us a call. Mm-hmm. Princesscraft.com. We have some deals. We're still sorting through it all, but yep. wow. I, even, yeah. even makes me want to buy one. Huh? And I already own them, so. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> it's that good of a deal on some of them. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. And we will see you next time with another episode of the RV Small Talk Podcast. Bye. Bye now. Thanks for inviting Bye. me.